At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Time for the second edition of our awards. And we got to just get right to it here. Let's talk MVP of the NBA. A year ago, I had, or I'm sorry, a month ago. Eh, also, it's a different year. I had Luca. Who did you have? Harden? Yeah, I had Harden. So, who is your MVP winner through the first two and a half months or so of this year? It's still James Harden. And I, I will put the caveat on that Giannis has been a better per minute player. And I mean, with the offense and defense, I would say Harden has been better offensively, but obviously there's a huge gulf between those guys defensively. Giannis will be mentioned in Defensive Player of the Year, and Harden most distinctly will not. But a big part of value is actually being on the floor. And I mean, we saw that when the Rockets got absolutely waxed by the Pelicans a few days before the end of the year. And Harden has played uh, 1,200 minutes. Giannis has played 990. That's about, let's say, 200. That's like four or five games worth. That's a huge amount of value that Harden is bringing. And for me, that was enough to bridge the gap. Yeah, Luca not in it for me at number one because of the ankle issue. He's my number three this year. I do have Giannis number one. He's got a personal net rating bucks when he's on the floor their net rating is 15.9 i mean and a big part of yeah he's missed a few games he missed a couple recently with back soreness but a lot of why he's not playing as much as they're just blowing everybody out and yeah they're doing it some disproportionately against bad teams but and they're having an historic season and he's the the best player and i don't default to that all the time but i think the individual stats are very similar actually Giannis now has higher usage than harden uh, interestingly enough and yeah i get that harden has played more minutes i don't i I think that especially with the team performance aspect that Giannis, when you throw in the defense as well is uh it wasn't a hard choice for me this month i I would say harden a a clear number two to me yeah I, i had those guys one and two pretty far separated and then the next choice for me was actually very similar to the logic I used above, which was LeBron versus Luka. Luka, I think, has been maybe a little bit better on a per-minute basis, but LeBron has played significantly more. And also, that margin to me is much tighter. And so, using minutes played is is a valuable thing. And LeBron is a better defensive player than Luka, and he has a huge offensive role, not as big as Luka, not as historic. So, I'm guessing you have LeBron four, so we kind of have each of the top two sets flip-flopped. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And I even would say that that Luca is right up there with Harden uh but you know once Harden has played 33% more minutes than Luca and he's also the Rockets offense when Harden is out there is not as good as Luca. I mean, Luca piloting 117 offensive rating when they're on the floor, pretty damn good. Uh, but Harden 115.6 when they're on the floor. That's that's also incredibly good. I had Luca higher than LeBron. I realize LeBron has played more minutes, but LeBron's just personal efficiency isn't anywhere close to where Luca is at. And so I, I think that's uh, ultimately what it comes down to. Uh, and LeBron has been better on defense. I don't give him the lion's share of the credit for what the Lakers have done defensively. You're not going to have him number one in defensive RPM. I mean, not number one in your in yours. He's number one in defensive RPM right now. Yeah, I disagree. I disagree one. with that. I mean that, but I just wanted to note it, just so it's out there. I guess. Yeah, uh, I will not. Uh, uh, defensive RPM got some. The new formula seems to really be pumping up a lot of wings and guards defensively. I think more than perhaps they deserve as of now. And uh, Nikola Jokic, who is the number one center in defensive RPM, I have. I, I've had my misgivings with RPMs valuing of defense of rebounding for a long time and i think that's that's maybe yeah. still there. I, supposedly they reduce that a, a little bit here um i mean for Jokic, i think a lot of it is he's the center on a defense that's been really good 
PIPM, which accounts for the Nuggets' fantastic shooting luck, which is something we'll get to a little bit later, their shooting luck defensively, that doesn't have him as high. Um, okay, so number five will be interesting. Who do you got for that? I did not use my own logic for the, for the top four for number five, and it's for a specific <laughs> reason. And it's I, I felt like I needed to pick Carl Anthony Towns because of just how stark the difference between the Timberwolves with him on the floor and him off the wow, floor interesting. is. Wow, interesting. So, so you, this is totally interesting. You had Carl Anthony Towns was not in your top five last month, right? Who was your fifth guy last month? AD, who, who I, I, you know, if I were using my rigid, like, formulaic <laughs> approach would be my fifth right now, but... Well, well okay. so this is hilarious, because I've got you AD now, and I had Towns before. Yeah, and so, I mean, for me, I think it was more the idea that absence made the heart grow fonder, that I, I understood exactly... I, mean, you, I think you had a better grasp of this than I did in the beginning part of the season, of just how central he was to their offense, but... I'll give a couple stats on that. He um, So the Wolves' drop in net rating is 5.8 per 100 possessions, 5.8 per 100 possessions. That's, you know, that's pretty significant, but when you account for personnel differences and all that, it's not that stark. They have a 17.7 points per 100 drop in offensive rating. Towns is in the 100th percentile. And yeah, you can say some things about in certain circumstances. Oh, that's, you know, starters versus backups and all stuff. No, that's Carl Anthony Towns. At least a significant portion of that is just him being a monster and nobody else on that team being able to do anything close to what he can. And so I fudged my own stuff just to give him an acknowledgement for how ridiculous the disparity is. And yeah, I mean, AD is a fantastic player having a wonderful season, but I don't think the Lakers would be completely screwed without him the way that the Wolves have been without Towns as they, you know, they did win on New Year's Eve Eve, but they basically have lost every other game that he hasn't played in. Yeah, certainly they've looked really bad without him. I, I understand that. But his own personal net rating is still in the negative and they have been the number 30 defense or thereabouts i haven't checked in the last few days over the last month or so and he certainly deserves some blame for that yes the rest of their team is awful i do think you you don't want to go crazy blaming him but i mean they're just not winning enough for him to be in this discussion for me i did in fact go with anthony davis joel Embiid actually would have been uh my sixth guy he was my seventh uh okay first team all nba really a lot of this just hinges on whether you're going to have ad as a center or not he hasn't played enough center this year to me 36 percent per cleaning the glass so about um, that's actually higher than i would have expected it's two-thirds one-third yeah, I think it's gone more in that direction recently. Maybe with the return to health of Kuzma, he's played a little bit more center. So if that number continues to rise, I may change it up. I do think he's been a little bit better than Joel Embiid, who is my first team All-NBA center. Uh, and then the top four in MVP, Harden, Doncic, James, and Giannis would be the other four, I imagine, for you as well. Yeah, so top four MVP, top four in terms of the, the two forward spots, the two guard spots. There shouldn't be any controversy there. I went, so so it was worth noting that All-NBA and MVP to me have very different criteria. All-NBA is more most outstanding. I don't degrade for absences nearly as much. And, you know, I can get a little bit funky with the positions if warranted. I ended up, you know, Towns, AD, Embiid was a tough decision between all three of those guys. I went with Towns for now, but I could easily, you know, I I seriously considered Embiid. I seriously considered Davis. They're both fantastic players having fantastic years. But again, here, Towns missing time, you know, it's weird because that helped his MVP case in some ways for me by doing that. But let's do the rest by position. Um, I had a lot of trouble with the guards. There just aren't that many guards that are having great seasons yeah. this year well, well i didn't have any trouble with damian lillard as oh, one yeah. of the uh, second he, team on being as being he's the th- he's been the number three guard if we're counting luca as a guard this year and then the other three spots were, were tough yeah i yeah. went i ended up going with kemba on the second team me too he's been in a, in a huge part of the celtic success offensively and they weathered the storm without gordon hayward who was so good at the beginning of the year but then he was out for a while so i went with him the next spot i, I was you know, I actually was thinking of Jimmy Butler pretty hard as a forward before I looked at the numbers, and he's playing more of the two than I thought, so I felt comfortable putting him on the on the guard line. I nearly put him over Kemba. He's having a great year. The the all-in-one metrics do really love Jimmy Butler, but I think they're overstating his defensive impact a little bit. Um, yeah. And and Kemba, you know, has a huge has a bigger part in the in the offense for 
the Celtics, and I believe that the Celtics' offense is more like sustainable. You know, there's a lot of uh, this will come up shooting luck for Miami. Um, but Butler's having a wonderful season, so for me, he he was a deserving All NBA player as well. And then the last spot, I went between a so, bunch. So of, that's uh, that's Butler's, second team guard. No, no, no that's no, third. That's team f- guard. that's third team guard. Then the okay. last, but my last spot uh, was between Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Ben Simmons, counting him as a guard. He does defend guards a lot. Um, Paul George hasn't played enough and hasn't been quite good enough. I, I expect Paul George will get into one of the spots eventually, but he just hasn't done it yet for me. So I went with, I went through all those guys and ended up choosing Beal. Kind of similar. I think that's what I did last month where it's just like, he has a lot to do on this Wizards team. I think he's done it reasonably well. And yeah, they suck on defense and that's mostly not his fault. So I had Butler as a forward. I went pretty straight chalk on the forwards the same as I did last year, which was Siakam and Jimmy Butler, third team forward. I thought that the your last option there at forward was so much worse than Butler that getting him in there makes the the overall team stronger rather than third team guard and I think he is more of a forward than a guard he's at least starting that way right now but then you get into it and I had Kemba as well you know on a winning team great offense he's certainly not hurting their defense for those who wanted to say he's like this terrible defensive player that's a clearly he can be part of a a very solid defense in Boston and just as efficient if not more so than he's ever been and he's taken the Brad Stevens system very well I mean he's one of the few players in contention here on the guard line who is you know actually in a winning environment right now and then you get into you mentioned Beal also Devin Booker uh, who was my third team guy last year or, or last you know, I, I can just say last year <laughs> but uh, uh last you month, can say last time yes thank you that, that that's there are actually a number of ways to use the English language to correctly communicate the concept I'm trying to but last year is not one of them and then Trey Young all three of those guys very very good offensive seasons but the numbers on them are atrocious defensively uh, Booker is right back to where he was as one of the worst guards uh, in RPM and the other on-off metrics uh, as well. Young, of course, we know about him, and Bradley Beal. So, and then the other candidates I, I was considering there at guard were Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jalen Brown, who might be a forward, might be a guard, wasn't, didn't have a strong enough resume to really get in the conversation at forward. And I ultimately went with Paul George as one of my third team guards. He definitely is starting at guard. Uh, you know, their starting lineup is Kawhi at the three and usually Harkless or Patterson at the, at the four. So he's definitely starting at guard. He's playing a lot of his minutes there. Well, And you default a lot to best player. And I think Paul George yes. is the best basketball player of that group you talked about. Yeah. And he's played 800 minutes now. And sure. his numbers, his numbers are totally fine. They're fine. And so, uh, I mean, it's a little troubling that they haven't been great when he's on the floor and Leonard isn't, but that's not a huge sample there um so he's one of them that was a pretty easy choice for me because i just think he's way better than any of these other guys and that left me with trey young as my other one i'm sorry i'm doing it Uh, the rest of this team is so bad and it's not his fault and i think he's unbelievable he has the best offensive metrics both in the traditional box score stuff and if you look at the on off uh, rpm pipm raptor type of metrics as well yeah his defensive numbers are awful i don't think that he is the primary problem with that group whereas say for Devin Booker he's actually got some pretty good defensive players around him right now and that's part of why his numbers look so bad you can make a better argument and I thought he had a pretty bad defensive game a lot of the way against Portland last night and I mentioned that I talked to that scout a couple days ago he says his defensive effort has really regressed this year so had him third team all NBA last time I'm going to replace him with Trey Young and I, I just think he's having just an unbelievable offensive season and it's just totally lost because everyone else on his team sucks like it is really bad it's so funny that i kind of used a similar argument for for bradley beal though he bradley beal has offensive talent around him he just doesn't have defensive talent and that's why yeah. the wizards are wizards are awful uh yeah it, i have no i have no real issue there especially because none of the guys if we're excluding paul george really have a defensive argument if we're going from yeah, awful yeah and they're to not bad. A, none of those guys are in winning situations either so right. if you want to you want to ding young for you know his team isn't winning i mean none of these guys are winning so i think i i feel comfortable defaulting to who has the best statistical argument i think it is young i mean i, I guess Donovan Mitchell so, so you, I'm interested that you you so you put Butler on the forward line I 
I so I put Butler on the guard line, and part of the reason I did was because I thought Chris Middleton had a better case than a lot of those guards. I, I really like the season that Middleton is having. Career high in usage, career high in efficiency. And it's, you know, the Bucks are, are a wonderful team. And I mean, in, a, in an ideal world, Brooke Lopez, for me, would have gotten more NBA consideration. He's having a great year. It's just that there are so many centers and you only get three of them as opposed to six for everything else. So I, I just, I thought Middleton was having a really good year. He has a different role. You know, Trey Young is a more important part of the offense, obviously, than Chris Middleton is in Milwaukee. But Middleton is massively better defensively, so you know it, it was a it was a tough call for me. But I ended up feeling comfortable. I felt I felt good with Middleton getting that spot and sliding Butler to the guard line. But it's not like it was a, yeah. a no brainer or anything. Well, and you could make you could say Middleton is a guard and Butler's a forward breeze. Yeah, sure. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe I didn't give Middleton a, enough credit as a potential a guard. Um, you know, I think the he kind of had this patina of being a pseudo eastern conference all-star last year and it's been lost that he actually he also had like kind of a tough start to the year so next month maybe i need to give his candidacy a little bit more examination so um, because because he is i mean he is the guy who's more of a winning player right yep. now yeah he is in a winning situation oh so so at center i went towns one and b2 did you put anybody above towns or did you have him second team i did i actually went with rudy gobert that's as, uh, that's fine too i mean team. i go bear i go bear third team and Jokic is coming on a little bit i'm still frustrated with not only how he started the season but he has those moments like that crazy third foul he got on i think that was the 30th and uh, but those sorts of things but he, his overall stuff yeah. is getting but, back but, to by the way i got no less than 25 people in my mentions telling me that that's a good play to commit a euro foul to give you your third foul with three minutes left in the half uh this is after he turned the ball over puts his head in his hands then all of a sudden looks up sees the ball is going by him in the in the backcourt and reaches out and grabs the guy for his third foul it, it, and immediately is, gets taken out of the game it is someone was trying to tell to me, me that's a good play it is amusing to me how often well first of all high high value players should not be committing intentional fouls unless they are incredibly low foul players like just generally speaking but also it is amazing to me when those sorts of things happen and people don't consider the alternative of actually trying on defense like oh you you had to give it up no no you you didn't even if it was a a guaranteed two points like it's just it's so terrible for a good player to do it i mean bad players if if you want to eat the foul or whatever that's not a big deal but if, if a player is the best guy on his team or you know really really good on an important situation basically they should not commit euro fouls unless they are like lebron who you know who will gets in foul trouble when he plays indiana in the eastern conference finals yeah i mean certainly foul trouble has been a continuing issue for Jokic. uh you know mike malone has talked about it a lot and yeah he may not foul out a lot but a lot of that is because he gets just taken out of the game to prevent him or because he gets five fouls and then stops trying on defense um but anyway, i mean obviously a great player he's coming on uh, but it's not going to be all nba yet for him with the way he started the season say a quick break here and we'll get to the rest of our awards so defensive player of the year i had rudy gobert the first month jazz have dropped off a little bit defensively and the numbers as far as like what his impact is on the opponent shot distribution are more muted this year and you could say maybe that's because he's doesn't have as much defensive talent around him although they're basically playing guys other than Bogdanovich who are have all been there now uh, with Conley being out a, a large percentage of the time here in, in December but he's not quite as amazing as he had been you know he's more 85th percentile and he over these last few years in his heyday he was when he was on the floor opponents took six percent fewer of their shots at the rim and that was with a good defensive center in favors backing him up now he doesn't have really good defensive centers backing him up and that number is still lower so the statistical argument for him is and some of the on-off metrics as well some like him some are have him a little bit lower not as overwhelming so i actually had him third as of this month i seriously considered moving gobert off of number one i still kept him there for now uh interestingly i mean now the disparity between when gobert is on the floor and off is is actually more pronounced i believe than it was last year for the jazz but a lot of that is because they have an inferior defensive center 
backing him up compared to what they used to. So it's an and it's not all Gobert. You're right with the shooting numbers. And then one of the other weird things that runs against one of the other candidates is I don't put a ton into this. It's more of something that opponents are actually shooting when they take shots in the restriction area against Joel Embiid. They're actually and he's contesting it. They're actually making a strangely large amount of them, 60% compared to like 48 for Gobert. But the more important thing a lot of times there is deterrence and Embiid has been an effective deterrent. I ended up staying with Gobert partially just out of respect because Embiid, who I had this in my number two, has so much more defensive talent around him, including Al Horford, who is a spectacular defensive center in his own right. And that, I I just, you know, for me, I, I give a lot of credence to the player who has to do more and when you think about that the the Utah defense in many ways is structured to have Rudy Gobert do a bunch to have him do a lot you know that 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 he's going to be there at the rim deterring shots contesting when he can getting rebounds and I I ended up that was it, it was closer to a tiebreaker than I expected it to be but it it was and then uh Giannis that was my so I'm guessing you have Giannis in one or the two spots which is totally fine I just have him third yeah I had Giannis number one 97.9 defensive rating when he's on the floor basically leads any of these reasonable candidates by quite a bit Joel is at 98.5 but like you said I think Joel has more defensive talent around him than Giannis does although Giannis I'm not sneezing at that Brooke Lopez has also been outstanding right. this year I, but I mean the the Bucks are the best defense in the league by three points per 100 possessions right now yeah I actually part of the reason I had Giannis third was because I think Brooke Lopez deserves a fair amount of credit now I yeah. think part of why Lopez is able to do that drop that back system and it works as well as it is is because they have Giannis to help out with a lot of the other things but even if the I mean first of all those two guys together are better than any second jazz man defensively and then the Sixers it gets complicated because they have so much their ensemble is fantastic so yeah but by the way on Lopez real quickly like some of their games against good teams like he's not even closing the game right because there's a feeling that he can't get out on the floor and guard some of these guys so uh yeah, that's why he, was, mean, that, he wasn't in my top three. I mean, I, right. I put him in the also consider just because I think he is having a nice year. But yeah. it and, and it gets into the stuff. I mean, there was a little bit of conversation on New Year's Eve with uh, Seth talking about the idea of the Bucks killing bad teams, and that's part of it. And I think that's Lopez derives more of his value in those games. But, I mean, it's still value, I guess. Yeah, last month, yes, I had, I was about to say last week. God, really, just time. Time is what is being indicated there. Uh, I had Marcus Smart, number three. He's missed a lot of time since then, and Embiid hadn't played that many minutes, which is part of why I had it that there. Most improved player, we wait until the end of the year for that. I'm very interested to see where you're going to go on coach of the year. There are a lot of strong candidates, and and a challenge for me this year is there are a lot of strong candidates that are also really good coaches. You know, sometimes it happens that somebody does a strong coaching job, and I, you know, you kind of wonder how you're going to do it. But my number one, and I feel good about it, not, not that there, there are plenty of good candidates, but is Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse has dealt with high-profile departures in Kawhi and Danny Green, but also what makes it, to me, what made it clear this month is how the Raptors are still just absolutely fantastic, and they dealt with a rash of injuries, so it's not just oh, you lost one of the best players in the league and you lost another key support player. Kyle Lowry missed a bunch of time this month. Serge Ibaka missed time. Marcus Gasol is still missing time. And they've been filling in with just players coming out of nowhere. You know, the, the rotation players out of the woodwork, exhuming Patrick McCaw and Rondé Hollis Jefferson has done really well for them. And Terrence Davis Terrence has Davis. Like one of the best and, net ratings in the league. And also, also, I love that nurses... And it's funny, the Toronto broadcast does a fantastic job of bringing this up basically constantly of changing his defensive approach from game to game. And some teams can't process that. And I don't think I should give him a ton of credit for having players who can, because that's a lot of that well, is Masai Well, but Ujiri. think about it, though. I mean, having players who can, like a lot of these dudes are like, rookie exactly that, and, that, and that's the, and that's the part where i where i give him credit you know in the early like, stages like, the, like people weren't talking about like chris boucher's incredible <laughs> basketball iq dude. before he got to toronto correct that way correct and so yeah for me nurse i think he's an excellent coach i think he's one of the best coaches in the league and i think that he has had a a difficult job to do and has excelled at it 
So I had nurse number one as well. I mean, there definitely is a smoke and mirrors aspect to what he's doing, but except you can see, he, he's like a magician, but you can actually see all the buttons that he's pushing because he does have such an interesting approach when you go with like that press and all the zones that they've run it and finding ways to get stuff offensively out of Rondé Hollis Jefferson, these kind of difficult to fit pieces. Um, Number two, I had Brad Stevens for them to be in the top five in offense and defense. Number two in net rating in the NBA by quite a bit, actually as of right now per cleaning the glass and number two in defense that that to me is with the talent with i mean yeah. with marcus smart missing time with what they have at center is incredible yeah and, you're right. and i mean saying and there's not top sh- five wasn't good enough to them. yeah and they're and they're not I, I i went in and looked at it they're not getting intense opponent shooting luck or anything like that it's just, they're just a really good defense so I actually really had seven coaches in consideration here. One that I think is just going to get totally lost in the shuffle is Mike Budenholzer. Like he was coach of the year last year with maybe slightly better talent. They've gotten better. And yeah, okay. I get the fact that it was expected that they're going to do this. So it's like, you know, a lot of it is the expectations game. But if he's coach of the year last year and they're better this year and they've got the same talent, he's probably doing a pretty good coaching job again. Yeah, I had I had him fifth, um, but he was in that group for me. So I'm interested in who else. I, I'm seeing how much overlap we have in your seven because I yeah. actually have seven as well. Yeah, so I, I had Nurse number one, Stevens two, Budenholz are three. But again, I mean, you're really splitting hairs uh, among these guys. My other four, Eric Spolstra, uh, I do think the Heat are still overperforming their point differential a little bit. They're, certainly he deserves some credit, but you know, they'll probably end up you know kind of in the seven or eight games better than expectations. Uh, but the degree to which he's been able to get stuff out of totally unheralded guys like that's always and trust those players put them in position to succeed the james johnson and Deion waiters drama no problems at all there um nate mcmillan another one where you consider some of the injury issues they've had with brogdon obviously oladipo being out all year to be playing basically winning almost 70 percent of their games when i thought they'd be below 500 during the period that oladipo was out and they've had years when they couldn't do anything without oladipo on the floor so that's really impressive rick carlisle got to be in there too of course oh wait i'm sorry no i should be ranking him 30th never mind uh but no he he certainly has as good of an argument as anyone for being in the top three and then another one i don't think is getting nearly enough credit right now is frank vogel yeah vogel was my toughest omission i ended up going with the other staple center coach doc rivers i think doc has done a really nice job with a clippers team that has basically never been they've been cycling guys in and out but vogel's done a great yeah. job with. I, I, I mean what if you had to describe what it is that doc is doing that you're so impressed i actually i took him out of it because i think they haven't really been that much better even now that i mean they've been largely healthy with paul george and Kawhi over the last month or so i think they've been a little disappointing to me i mean they have a top they have a top 10 defense despite one of their best defensive players missing the first month of the season and still working his way back they have they've figured i mean offensively they have a lot of kind of challenging personalities like with lou with lou and Kawhi and all that and i think they've done a, a pretty good job of navigating that and Shamit would have been a nice you know kind of a wd-40 piece for them but he was out a lot of that time too so i think that that was important and you know they've gotten some some support some value out of out of bench players they've done better with the center rotation than i expected i still think they need to make a move but i i, I also just think doc is a great coach so i went uh, you yeah. know no, I, I kind of it's kind of like you do for all NBA. I default a little bit there. Uh, one thing, well, you, let's talk about Vogel, and then I'll go through my order. Yeah, so I think nobody, except for maybe me, actually, expected the Lakers to be this good defensively. LeBron, I mean, certainly he's very much self-motivated, but he's buying in. Uh, They've managed to navigate so far the fact that they really only have one decent ball handler in LeBron. They're running everything through him. They haven't run LeBron into the ground in terms of his role. So far, AD has looked awesome. They've gotten a ton out of Dwight Howard, another guy that you just didn't see that much of. The fact that he's figured out that Alex Caruso is pretty good and that he should play more than maybe someone like Quinn Cook. I think he deserves some credit for that to be giving him a, a steady rotation. He hasn't like overplayed Kuzma based uh, on where he's been, although he's missed time a couple stints here with injuries. Uh, to me, they're just uh, above expectations, and the, the Clippers are at or a little bit below, even accounting for some of the injuries. So that's why I would have him over Wizard or geez Rivers. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, any seven of those guys. I wouldn't be upset if they won it, frankly. Yeah, and so I ended up with Nate McMillan third. I'm super impressed with the job he has done managing the injuries, 
not only to Victor Oladipo, but they've had a bunch of other guys just out for stretches of time. Sure. And they have a top 10 defense again and league average offense with their personnel, especially when you consider not only that Oladipo's missed the whole time, but that Brogdon's missed a bunch of time too, is just insanely impressive. And McMillan, he's just been so good as, as the Pacers coach. Uh, let's move on to rookie of the year. I don't think there's a lot of drama at the top of this, but I it was an interesting exercise to go through the top three here. Interesting as in... Challenging. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, John Morant, number one. A bit, so Morant and Nunn, to me, are one and two. And a big part of why Morant is pretty clearly ahead of Kendrick Nunn right now for me is that as Jimmy Butler has returned, Nunn has settled into a much smaller role within the Miami offense. And so John Morant, I mean, 27% usage, 34% assist. Per assist. Kendrick Nunn, 24% usage, 19% assists. So, you know, having a nice year, he's been efficient, he's been a revelation, been the second best rookie, but Morant is doing more and I think is doing it better. So that's why Morant's number one. Oh yeah, it's not even close to me. Agreed. Job being number one, especially with my caveat that I'll remind people of that I default to this uh, too of who's the best long-term prospect. I mean, none is 25 years old. Uh, so yeah, Ja, not even close. None to me is number two. I had Eric Pascal either two or three last year. I, or, or, ah! last month this is hilarious i didn't get enough sleep last night apparently and but none is two this year for me yeah there we go i can say this year and uh tyler hero moved up to number three over uh eric pascal hero's played more minutes now he's in a winning situation he's been closing some games for a winning team Pascal has been in and out of the lineup a lot. Some of his best time came when he was basically the only option and the Warriors were just absolutely struggling like crazy. I don't think he's necessarily been a huge contributor to winning basketball. His offensive game is tough to fit around. So I think you'd have to give it to Hero, and especially when you consider Hero probably the better prospect at this point compared to Pascal, who's 23. I tried not to agonize over this third spot because there were a couple of guys that were close. I ended up going with Brandon Cork over Hero. I think that he's done a nice job. I, the argument that Hero is doing it on a on a, on a better team is is yeah. well taken. He's got a bigger role, I think, even than Clark too. Yeah, but Clark also doing doing more defensively, and I'm fine with Hero. Hero was my number four, so it was it was close for me with those two guys. I would, you know, he's been more of a garbage time genie than anything else. But Terrence Davis has had is having a really nice statistical season, so I just wanted to shout him out. But he's, I mean, especially when you consider in the early part of the year before every Raptor got hurt, he was largely doing it just in that fourth quarter along with Chris. Boucher. It's it's a different type of thing, but he's having a nice year. So congratulations! And he was yeah. remember he came into summer league not on a contract. He was he was on the Nuggets, and then he played one game for the Nuggets, and then the the Raptors Masai signed him away from them, and now he's playing regular minutes for them, which is a great story. So it is best sophomore <laughs> Luka, Luka Doncic number one, Trey Young number two. Yep, we we good there. Yep. So number three, I had Shea Gilgis Alexander last time. I moved up to Devontae Graham here uh, as number three. Hornets offense, 14.2 points per 100 possessions better when he is on the floor. They are 15 points per 100 better overall when he's out there. There, he I projected them to be last with a bullet in terms of offense this year before the season, and they probably would be if it weren't for what he's done, which of course came completely out of nowhere. So I, I think he's been more important to his team. I think if you sub Shea Gilgis Alexander in for him, that the Hornets would probably be worse off uh because Devontae his gravity it just opens everything else up he's shooting you know 10 threes a game I didn't go all the way to a third on this because it's it's one of our made-up awards but yeah I probably would have gone with Graham Overshay sixth man of the year this one was really hard because Spencer Dinwiddie is no longer eligible he started enough games he was my number one before though incidentally there is a very good argument that Dinwiddie assuming he ends up qualifying that this time as a starter will end up blocking right. up the award for him just with the way it works out because his stats are going to be insane um yeah, but he, I, he started to fall off from an efficiency standpoint too. I think it's start it's starting to take its toll a little bit. On yeah, him and I mean, hopefully getting Karis Levert back will help with that because he'll just have less on his plate. But yeah, I mean, it it is taking its toll on Dinwiddie a little bit. But he's being asked to do so much. 
I originally, yeah, I, I always am a little bit skeptical about trying to like give this to, to my original thing. My first thought without researching it was, oh, probably Montrez Harrell, you know, Lou Williams isn't having the best year and all that. And then I started thinking about George Hill because his efficiency yeah. is ridiculous. George Hill has a 71% true shooting this year because he's not missing a three, 53% on 5.23s per 36. And then I started thinking about it more and I realized that Harrell was my three, George Hill was my number two, and my number one by a decent margin is Derek Rose. Interesting. Now, the lack of minutes hurt Rose to me a little bit. I, I do think he's been very important. Now, some of the on-off numbers like him a lot more because the Pistons basically haven't had a starting point guard or it's been Tim Frazier as a starting point guard. So he's getting compared to that a fair amount. Andrew, and, wait, been, sorry, one other thing. And he's getting compared to a lot of time when the Pistons starters didn't have Blake Griffin. So yeah. their starters were playing against other starters and Rose was, you know, the, the talent disparity. You know, it's kind of like those uh, Sacramento teams where their backups had way better PIPM and all that kind of stuff than their starters because their starters sucked and the backups were okay. Yeah, and the starters are playing against starters and the backups are playing against backups. Um, yeah, I mean, Rose was in there. If you believe some of the on-off metrics, hilariously, Dennis Schroeder would be up there. He was my number four. For him. He was my number four. Um, but but for- Because a lot of his supposed pros is defensively and like, sorry, no, I'm, I'm not buying that. I've seen Dennis Schroeder. He's been better this year at times, but I've seen him play defense for like the last six years. So... I'm I'm going to hold off there but, on but, saying that he's a great defender all of a sudden. So here's my here's my argument for Rose not including, and I didn't focus on the on-off stuff. It's his role within the offense. Derek Rose, 31% usage and 44% assist rate is sky high, and the Pistons' offense has been good when he's been on the floor. And he's been really the only good offensive player. They've been good when he's been on the floor. He has closed games for them when they've needed it, and he's done a good job there. And so for me, Hill has been more efficient nominally, but when you consider the degree of difficulty and the importance of the role, I think Derek Rose has been, you know, he's had, he's had a lot more to do and he's done it very well. So that's what made him number one for me. But I'm interested in how you did it because it sounds like we have differences of opinion. Well, and this is, six man is interesting. I mean, there have been I've always been saddened that the voters have just gone the yay points route with six man and just picked whoever they thought the best score was coming off the bench. Because this is actually an interesting chance to try to say what is more valuable among different player types. At the very top of the league, sometimes it's just obvious who the best guys are and a lot of them are big time creators. Here though, generally by definition, if you're coming off the bench, you're not in all NBA consideration. So you have guys who do a lot of different things that might have similar value and you have to compare them to one another, right? right? So Harrell is one score off the bench. He's improved his defense a fair amount this year, though still not amazing, but he does close gains for a really good team. Uh, He was my number one for right now. Hill, another one where, okay, he's not your primary creator, but he's just maybe one of the best role players in the league at this point in time. Now he's only playing 21 minutes a game. That's a little bit of a concern uh, compared to some of these guys, although he hasn't missed time. Someone that I'm surprised, uh, Lillian, by the way, where is he? Just down a little bit in efficiency this year and and I think some of his passing limitations where he basically only throws it to the roll man have started to cause a few problems for the Clippers. And obviously he has issues defensively. And he also has less to do now in the Clippers because they have so many other guys that can run the show. Like when he was the unquestioned, like kind of six man of the year, that was when the Clippers needed a lot more from him than they do now. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson deserves a mention as well. We'll yep, see how- he was my number six. We'll see how he looks with the Jazz. Bogdan Bogdanovich has fallen off some after really kind of leading the Kings back to respectability now they're they're on a losing streak um i'm surprised the name davis bertans has yet to surface though yeah i if bertans had had played maybe a little bit i, I don't know i i should have considered him considering my fascination with him in that yeah that's why i was surprised second unit yeah i i, I maybe it was because of the way i was filtering through it he just wasn't popping up enough because yeah. I, I i doubt i doubt he shows up on some of the all in all in metrics and so i probably didn't think about him enough yeah he he can be in this group too i'll put him along with along with lou williams and clarkson and Schroeder. sure absolutely yeah i actually had him as my number three so i'd Carol one, Hill two, Bertans three. Now, Hill and Bertans could be dropping out of here if they stop shooting it as well and of course Dinwiddie could come back Clarkson I mean who knows he might be if he continues playing this well but he does it for a good team and he doesn't kill them defensively like they, he could get into this conversation too Williams of course could start playing better so there are a lot of interesting ways that you can go with this let's do another quick break here and then we'll get into some of our self-created awards okay biggest surprise team of the year Danny I went with the Dallas Mavericks 
I did pick them to make the playoffs, but I thought it was going to be as kind of like a soft seven or eight seed. I didn't expect them to be nearly this good. And there could be some padding, you know, that they're they're right in the mix right now for, for net rating. They're third in the league as we record this, which is remarkable. And their defense has been, you know, middle of the road, and then they have this historic offense so far. But Luka being an MVP candidate, them being viable, you know, like being alive on defense and then being this great offensively like that, you know, that, that is the biggest surprise to me. And some of that also is just that the bottoms of both of these conferences have been so moribund that there wasn't anybody who's really broken out of that. So you kind of had to go with a team that's gone from the middle up or because and that for me was them. They were my number two for all the reasons you said. I will go with the team that is number two overall in the NBA net rating, the Boston Celtics, especially again, what they've been able to do defensively with this group. Top five offense, top five defense, and they're projected right now to win 57 games. I think most people would have had them around 47 this year. So uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty impressive increase. I mean, Toronto too, especially when you consider... The personnel that's available, they were playing incredibly well when everybody was healthy. They started to nosedive just a little bit, and they haven't had that much time with everybody healthy. Who knows if we will? And then I, I had to add a fourth team for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sure, yeah. Over under 31 wins, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and we liked them a little bit better. I think I had them in the 33-34 range. Part of that was due maybe to trading guys. But, I mean, they're over 500 right now, 76% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, part of that is because some real disappointments, as we will get to in the Western Conference. But I, I want to add in one more team, sure, and that's the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, absolutely. They're, I mean, they've defied gravity for me a lot this but year. Miami for, as well. Yeah, my, but but Miami, there's there was a little bit of, well, I'll talk, this will come up later, but with, with the shooting success, yeah. Sur- surprise player. I was really torn between two guys that are different theories of this. One is like Devontae Graham is the most surprising just because I had no idea he had this in him and he's been wonderful so far this year. But my my choice because what he has done is more important and I think he's a bigger player is Brandon Ingram. Because Ingram not only establishing, you know, the, the jump shot that he's had and his role within the Pelicans offense, but because of what that means in terms of ripple effects for the Pelicans moving forward and his potential fit was Ian Williams. So three guys that I mentioned last month, one of them was Ingram, as you mentioned. Devontae Graham, I did not mention. I thought maybe that was an aberration. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. And Pascal Siakam, low, how quickly we forget. Uh, now, he did drop off a little bit, especially with the shooting as time went on, but still uh, has had a wonderful year. But Luka is still my number one to me. I mean, just it, it may not be surprising anymore compared to where he was last month. But I mean, you know, he's he's the Mavs being the greatest offense ever, him being a huge part of it, top five player at age 20. I mean, that that is unprecedented. And I still, especially to get to that kind of a level is just so remarkable to me. And the, the skill improvements that he's had in this game, his ability to blow by guys, I, I think it's still, it's got to be him just because really getting into that outlier area, that three standard deviations type of area above the mean it's just so hard to get into that rarefied air and to do that at 20 that really just comes out of nowhere for me so that's that's I, why i, I stick I, with luca you and i don't give most improved player choices for earlier in the season partially because the research on it's a pain in the ass but i seriously hope that luca gets serious consider i actually hope he wins most improved player because i guess he's a second year player so that kind of does violate but the the, the yeah i might be willing to scrap that rule this year that's how impressive yeah for him and Devonte. i mean both those guys are but but Luca, the the leverage of his improvement is so is so significant because guys getting into that into that rarefied air, much less doing it when he's twenty goddamn years old, is really incredible. Um, you brought up Siakam. I have Siakam on my list as well. A couple other guys to mention who are lower tier players, but they've just surprised me a lot. Rashawn Holmes on the Kings. I just yeah. thought he sucked. And he's been a lot better than that. And yeah, too, sucked. Sucked's a little strong. I, I that's what I. That's how, I didn't think he was good. Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah. I wasn't sure I would give him anything really yeah. for a contract. I mean, I, I thought. Yeah, I thought he was like solid offensive center, negative defensive center. He's clearly moved beyond that. Yeah, he has. And then two guys who just were not really on my radar at all before summer league. I guess you could say Terrence Davis and Kai Bowman. Both of them have looked like NBA players, and that's a really important development too. And that's always a big surprise when I basically don't know a guy's game and then they develop the way those two have i'll throw george hill in there too i mean 53 oh, sure. percent from three and yeah he had a well, good, we thought he was dead <laughs> right i mean he had a good playoffs last year and that came completely out of nowhere he'd had a terrible year before that he was not really any good he was terrible in sacramento he was a little better in cleveland in that 17 18 and then you know he got traded to milwaukee what a what a good trade by the way for milwaukee 
to get him in the end, especially because of the bird rights. You know that ended yeah. up being ended up being important as well. Yeah, that that did work out incredibly well for them. Most, Although that you know, it sorry. didn't end up being bird rights because they had to waive him. Remember? Oh, that's oh because of the the, the polite partial guarantee. You're right. Yeah, yeah, they actually had to yeah. use cap space on it. You're right, cap space something we talk about all the time on the show. <laughs> Um, most most yeah. disappointing team was in some ways a challenge just because there were many good candidates. <laughs> um, I ended up going with the Portland Trailblazers because, yes, they have dealt with injuries. I mean, Zach Collins is missing time. Rodney Hood is now missing the rest of the year. But the, the berth being so wide in the Western Conference and them not quite being able to work its way through it is just immensely disappointing to me. And so, you know, it, it might not be entirely fair, especially when you consider that the Warriors are way worse but they've dealt with more severe injuries, in my opinion. But, I mean, the Blazers, it's, I, I just, I get so mad. I get so mad at just where they are with those kinds of things, considering the the Thunder are looking like they're looking fairly locked into a playoff spot, two games over 500. The Blazers are still, as we record this, six games under 500. Yeah, I still would have to go with the Warriors, especially it was only a few games, but they were so disappointing even when Steph was healthy. And they've at least had some flashes at home of late. But, yeah, I mean, for them to be 9 and 25 right now uh, uh oh i mean you would you throw atlanta in there yeah i had two other teams and they were chicago and atlanta um chicago for i think chicago is more talented than atlanta they have been i i think auto porter's injury has been an important under underappreciated part of this just because we thought it was going to be short term and then it really really has not been but they've just they, they've been and they've had so many like disappointing games too or it's just you're just I, that loss to Cleveland early in the year. This came up when I was watching Dunks. I was like, "Oh yeah, remember when 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 Colin Sexton backcut Zach Levine and the Bulls lost that game?" I was like, "Those sorts of things were just they're no. they're definitely my most frustrating team, uh, which is uh, different than disappointing." I will say they might have been in there earlier, but I mean they're like a top five defense for the year now. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of luck sustain. for there's a lot of luck in that for me. Yeah, but and you might say that Bulls offense is the most disappointing individual unit uh on one side of the ball but they've kind of made up for it with defense they've also i think underperformed their point differential a little bit here they're they're not dead yet we'll see uh but they probably are um <laughs> they're, they're yeah. not they're not dead yet because the seventh and eighth spots in the east are just terrible yeah and also i think the the kings yeah i know that fox has been out i don't know that bagley even really helps i think that injury might have actually been a good thing for them but for them to be 12 and 21 and you know their differential is not good this is really a time considering how bad everyone else has been that they could have really taken a step forward and it looked like they were going to be in it and then they immediately lost like eight well, straight so and a special shout out to the most disappointing team of just the month we we do this as the season so far but the most disappointing team of the month was the minnesota timberwolves yeah and, I mean, and who knows they could end up being so bad by the end of the year that the, they're in this but i still have to go with i think warriors number one hawks two even though i thought a lot of this was foreseeable i mean this has been even a level beyond what i thought w would be the case and so that that would probably those would be the two and then third probably with blazers I went Blazers, Warriors, Bulls. Maybe the Bulls are more frustrating than disappointing, but I, yeah. Okay, who are, your, who are some of your uh, disappointing player candidates here? There isn't as much of a just like a, a clear no-brainer for me now. There, there are a bunch of guys that disappoint me, but nobody that's just screamed out, so I'm interested if you have one. Uh, I'll, I'll, should I go through some of my nominees, or do you want me to just say my number one? No, no please do the, some some nominees. Let's talk about them. Okay, uh, so I won't say, uh, I'll say... I'll save my number one for the end. Lowry Markkinen... Somebody you talked about in the most confounding players podcast with Hollinger, which I really enjoyed. I've just I just keep on thinking he's gonna figure it out and piece it together and he hasn't. Um Miles Bridges just feels like a non entity. I mean PJ Washington's having a nice year. Devontae Graham is this wonderful story, and Miles Bridges is just kind of there. That was been disappointing. Buddy Heald has been disappointing overall. Jaron Jackson Jr., we talked about this in top prospects recently, he just hasn't been quite what I wanted defensively. And he's one who's on here more because of my high hopes for him. Zach Levine, Kyle Kuzma we'll see how much the injuries factor in Dwayne Dedman which is player and situation I mean he just hasn't had enough time and then Malik Beasley it's just been so weird to see him have moments where he's just completely out of the Nuggets rotation that's been disappointing as well yeah Dedman has got to be up there for him to just be completely out of the rotation at this point in time it, it is fairly remarkable I hate to see that I think number one for me though would probably have to be DeAndre Aiden at this point I mean because he deserves blame for the suspension. Like, he did something that caused himself to miss 25 games. Yeah, I didn't consider him, but that's an interesting argument. Um, I Like, he's I mean, provided 
like literally zero value and then he immediately came back and got hurt again which you know i don't blame him for that but you know him and john collins just to get themselves suspended for 25 games i mean that, well, because, that's, Col- you can make an argument that collins suspension sabotaged the hawk season just yeah, because maybe you could um my, my number one i didn't focus as much on the suspended guys though that there's a good argument too was jamal murray murray is partially there just because i had sky high expectations i mean he was somebody who was in our top prospects pods and all that kind of stuff and he is shooting 33 percent from three which makes it look a lot worse but below average true shooting 25 percent usage when you consider what the nuggets have to work with and yes they've been better defensively but he doesn't get the lion's share of that credit and the offensive woes are partially Jokic effort based but I just I thought Murray would be able to take on the reins if Jokic had this stuff and he hasn't really yeah I mean he's just kind of he's, he's actually taken a couple incremental steps forward I mean it seems like for you a lot of this is guys you really hoped would develop who didn't get there correct that's disappointing to me yeah I, I mean to me though yeah I, I mean I guess just in a terms of like hey I was really hoping this would happen and it didn't happen like yeah I guess that is a kind of disappointment right like it's, it's not uh but to me just in terms of like divergence between preseason expectations and actual performance and, and who knows maybe your expectations for some of these prospects were just like really high I would have termed that as maybe more hopes for guys like Murray and and uh Jackson and like you know I don't think those guys are have been terrible I mean Jokic is another one though I still look at me yeah he's been a little better lately but still not anywhere close to level that he was last year russell westbrook was on this list last month for me he's gotten a little bit better in the numbers the fact that they're worse with him on the floor and harden as opposed to harden by himself that's not amazing ben simmons was another one just because we thought he would be able to shoot this year i'm not gonna uh, i was disappointed and now i've grown used to the disappointment but still worthy uh, of being mentioned but i think ultimately and i probably should have thought of this angle more last month but i probably just gotta go with Aiton just for because he did something to himself and you don't see these kind of suspensions very often either especially for key young players like collins and Aiton. but yeah i, I think Aiton would have to be uh number one for me and that's you know i didn't think Aiton was gonna be unbelievable but when you want to say disappointing that's a pretty good way to be disappointed in someone right it, it certainly is uh let's go to executive of the year the last i believe of the official awards that we do i still have lawrence frank number one the uh, the maneuvering to get paul george and Kawhi leonard and not sacrifice the depth is, is a really important thing. They still have the first round pick that they can deploy. The 2021st is available in a trade. They have filler salary if they want to do that. So I had him number one. I can't remember what I did after that, but for me, number two has been clarified a little bit with time, and that's Sam Presti. Presti getting, not only, you know, getting a ton for Paul George. I mean, we, we might see the George and Anthony Davis trades as the, the high watermark relative to player quality of stars you know like i'm not saying it'll be the highest trades the value uh acquired in star trades is what you're saying yeah, so like, for example, if theoretically Giannis gets traded, which I, I'm not saying is going to happen, but like, let's say theoretically that happens, I could see it netting a higher return, but Giannis is a way better player than AD or, or um, Paul George. So like that, that's kind of the argument. Then the thing that I think looks even better now also is the Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul trade because Chris Paul has been better than Russell Westbrook and has a more favorable contract. So, and remember they got assets in that as well. And then some of the other stuff on the margins, they're going to duck under the luxury tax, which is pretty pretty sweet from their perspective. They got out of some of their long-term money. And so I think Presti's done a, a, a like his, his job is looking better with time and, and Basley's looking, Basley, Basley? I, I'm going to get that wrong for the rest of my life. No, you, uh, you used to have it right and then I screwed it up for you. Damn it. Um, But so I, I, he's looking fine. You know, this is an uninspiring bottom of the first round. So... I have, no, I have no issues there, and Nerlens is Nerlens and all that kind of stuff. So I have him number two. Do you want to share some insight, and then I'll, I have I have another few that can we talk about. Yeah, I have him as number two as well. I thought Slater, when we did his pod over the weekend, he put it in pretty good terms to say that he got all of these assets, and they're not really in that different of a place from a competitive standpoint, just being a low seed and losing the first round. They've been the last couple of years anyway. I mean, that's... And I, and, and they didn't the take on any bad money to do that. Yeah. It's not. It's not a circumstance where they, you know, like they added a bunch of cra- they added a bunch of crap to to stay relevant. They just happened to stay relevant, which is fantastic. 
Yeah, my number three was Pat Riley. Uh, James Jones was my number three last month. They've kind of fallen out of it a, a little bit. Certainly the Rubio acquisition has worked out better than I thought it would, but uh, what they did in the draft, I, I don't think is... Cam Johnson actually is looking like a pretty good pick. Like that guy is, at least he shoots the ball, lights out. And so that's something he does. There, He has a skill, which you know most of these rookies frankly don't. Um, but Pat Riley was my number three. I kind of am fudging a little bit. I'm giving him credit for the Duncan Robinson and Nunn signings. Like right at the end of last year, those are basically off-season signings. Uh, you're signing them entirely you know, on the last day of last season. Um, and getting Butler, that's worked out pretty well. Being able to get off uh, of Whiteside, even Myers Leonard is contributing for them. So we'll see how it comes home to roost that they had to give up that extra first-round pick to make the Butler deal happen. But we'll see. And, and a lot, of course, can change here if uh, major moves are made at the trade deadline. Although eh, that isn't the way I'm reading the tea leaves right now. And so, yeah apologies to uh, kevin pritchard as well who really me- remade this indiana roster with warren lamb tj mcconnell has really contributed for them as well uh, and and the bet they made on malcolm brogdon i mean when yeah. he's been healthy brogdon has been wonderful for them and has a bigger role and has thrived in it i have pritchard yeah. as my number three yeah i mean uh, they're they're better than last year without oladipo and they also got younger and with more cost certainty so that's yeah and uh, I, i've liked but what i've seen from patate so far so that's another another move yeah. that counts within this league here a couple other gms that i want to give praise to um sean marks i mean putting together the kd Kyrie thing and then some of their moves on the margins i i really like garrett temple i've liked him for a long time and wilson chandler got suspended which sucks but doing that kind of stuff and then david griffin i think that his um especially if brandon ingram is is this good then that makes yeah. the ad trade look even better and josh hardis fit in fit in pretty well we'll see what happens with lonzo but yeah i mean i think that looks looks good i mean they've done you know they, they you know they could say that they disappointed record wise without in the early stretch of the season but there were some context things there and we'll have to see some things moving forward but i think griffin's job will speak for itself for a little while and then another one i wanted to mention which is so crazy considering how much we've lampooned him rob palenka i mean palenka so it's sort of like the james james jones thing where there was such a circus but frank vogel's done a very good job as a coach that was an important decision that he made and it, anthony davis has been fantastic he's been exactly what they wanted him to be danny green not Kawhi leonard but a very good basketball player and yeah i have some beef with how they filled out the end of the roster but you know JaVale and Dwight Howard as a center rotation spot. So yeah. I, I wanted K- to mention him. Like, he's done a good job. KCP coming back. Not that he was ever going anywhere. Uh, cynics would say. Jared Dudley, who we thought was a good signing, hasn't really been in the rotation at all. Uh, but yeah, it's, just, it's tough for me to go there because I think they just gave up a little bit more than they needed to in that AD trade. And especially the fact that they did it in a way that they couldn't possibly trade another first-round pick. Well, and the choice of keeping Kuzma over all of the other stuff, you know, like... Well, that, I think I they kind of had oh, to do that in terms of salary, unless you're talking yeah. about future first-rounders. Yeah, I think they gave up extra firsts to keep Kuzma. Uh, I mean, I think I'd probably rather keep Kuzma than just like one first in the future. If it's two, then yeah. I mean, they gave up too much in the trade, so sometimes it can be hard to hard to, hard to sort all that stuff out. I will give you the floor for first choice for not executive of the year, because I have a strong choice here, but I want to wait. Yeah, so... You were big on Bob Myers last time around. My point was, no, he's at least done some good things. And I think it's starting to look a little bit better for the Warriors of late. So he wasn't in my top three. I've got a top three of number one, Travis Schlenk, number two, Steve Mills, and number three, Neil Olshay for not executive of the year. Schlenk is my number one as well. There are, there are some big picture and small picture things that were really destructive about the Hawks offseason. In the, the short term, not having enough ball handlers has completely kneecapped their chances of making the playoffs. I mean, they they didn't have, they've got been annihilated in the non-Trey minutes when Trey was healthy, and then they don't have anything to handle it. And yeah, Evan Turner's missed time, but Evan Turner was not, as you would say, the panacea here. And No, I mean, that he's is, been getting healthy scratches lately. Yeah, exactly. So, so So that's a big, big problem. But then... I, I wanted to lay out the terms of this just because now we've, we've had a chance to think about it a little bit. DeAndre Hunter has not been like bad or anything like that necessarily. Uh, I mean, he, he's been bad for an NBA player. He's been but, bad. But, to me, he's been bad for a number four overall pick, but there but, weren't but, okay. another, a bunch of great things. But relative, re- basically relative to a class that has been disappointing outside of the top two. Um, I think that, you know, th- it's not like yeah. that. If, if you drafted him number eight or number 10, I don't think you would feel terrible. Yeah. 
So, but here, here was the DeAndre Hunter trade. They received the number four pick, which became Hunter, number fifty-seven, and a heavily protected twenty twenty-three second. So basically, they yeah. got they got that. They they gave up number eight, number seventeen, number thirty-five. What will be two second-round picks from the Cavs? So those are going to be pretty damn good seconds. And taking on Solomon Hill's twelve million dollars, which they eventually dumped. That's a ton to give up for what doesn't seem to be a dramatic increase in quality. And I, I, when you're in the Hawks' position as a general manager, you need as many bites at the apple as you can get. And maybe the eight and seventeen and thirty-five picks don't become stars. And maybe it ends up being that David Griffin chose better at those spots than Travis Schlenk would have that is a huge mistake as it looks right now yeah both from a value and for a oh my god this is the guy we're drooling over yeah you you can give up more value when you're the Mavericks moving up trading with the Hawks to get Luka Doncic that's that's the type of player where you're like all right we got to get this guy at any cost not DeAndre Hunter and then also the reddish pick and then to structure things you know John Hollinger often talks about how you're going to structure things so that the coaches kind of have to play the guy that you wanted to play as a front office well the fact that Schlenk structured things so that Cam Reddish had to play has been another thing that's just completely killed them I mean their their lack of shooting has been terrible Jabari had some signs of life but you know he hasn't really helped them that much either he's shooting it terribly the center rotation is atrocious I mean backup point guard and center the, those are two things that if they'd had those maybe they they look totally different here well and and remember the resources they had they had they had more cap space right. than they knew what to do with right. it what, wasn't what could like they, they were... had done if they hadn't had to take on 12 million to Solomon Hill yeah and they weren't like squeezed into the mid-level exception like think about those that was a Hornets team or like a Pistons team where they had to make do no the Hawks had all the resources they had all the resources to bear that they wanted and and chose not to use any of them on on like those types of players and that, that's a big mistake yeah and so i end up with schlenk one well, mills what, two. one more on, on sure the hawks here now some might say oh come on what does it matter right like they're you always get mad at these teams for chasing the eighth seed they got plenty of time with this young roster i appreciate that approach uh, to be sure but it's clear i mean number one they're still screwing up the draft and the value of that trade number two it's clear that how bad they are is really starting to have some repercussions negatively within the organization and with their franchise player trey young and you're getting a lot of negative stories out of there now and that wouldn't be happening if they at least had like like they shouldn't be you know negative nine net rating worst team in the nba type of bad you know they should be if you're on your path for you know 29 wins type of bad okay that i'm good with but especially with trey young having been as good as he is and they still suck this badly that's that's pretty rough but anyway and and also and also weakening the the war chest other than their draft pick being better than it probably than it should be this year in 2020 which is interesting um that you know if if hunter and reddish aren't those guys on the next great hawks team that's a big problem you know trey young and john collins are and and we don't even know how good John Collins is those guys are not the like the centerpieces like the the two best players necessarily on a great team I mean Trey Young could end up being the best player but the other spot is is a challenge they're trying to be a free agent destination too next like yeah you can't go they have they have 73 million in cap space yeah okay who are your other two uh Mills Mills two and I still have Myers over Olshay I'm fine going the other way but those are my two should we take a brief second to talk about again a team that just squandered money Sacramento with Vlade I mean they threw so much money at Deadman, who I, I still think you know that that, I, I, that failed for different yeah, reasons I, I I mean I it's tough for me to say that because I mean yeah granted that hasn't worked out but they also got Holmes at least you know if you're given yeah, Holmes that the, that's why he that's yeah. why he's more in the five six range yeah. for me rather than in the I mean because Mills to me Vlade got more for his money than Mills yeah. did and, and frankly like I didn't hate their offseason that much you know I it's the ones where I could see it coming already and I knew it was bad at the time and it's continued to be bad versus oh this is surprising that it was this bad those are uh, I, I put those in different categories uh, yeah, so let's, I, I think that's totally fair. We can move on to, so we just did a negative category. So let's go to a positive category. Best win of the month. Oh, let's save these actually until the, the, uh, until next week, since we're okay. running a little short on time. Let's get, uh, let's get a couple of these other ones in. Sure. Uh, whatever you want to do. Okay. Last month's trend that will continue. I said that Dallas would continue to have a top five offense. That is correct. They do. They're still trending for the, one of the best offenses of all time. So that was good. Uh, what? 
what was your last month's trend that will continue? That Orlando would continue to struggle shooting. They were, at that point, dead last in effective field goal percentage for the season. That has mostly continued. They're up to 25th in effective field goal percentage, but they took very few threes. They actually made a lot of them. And so they're 29th in in, uh, effective field goal percentage for the season. So I would say that that largely continued. Even though they made some threes, they just couldn't make a lot of the other shots. Uh, I actually had one plus a bonus for last month's trend that was an aberration. I said that the Nuggets would not be in the top five in defense over the next month. They were number two on November 26th when I made that prediction. And since then, they have been seventh per cleaning the glass. So I barely scraped by. They still, but if you told me the over-under, I probably would have had it being lower than seventh, but that prediction did uh, come in. And then I also said that Miami will not be a top five e-field goal percentage offense. They were number one at that time. They're actually still number two overall, but they've been ninth over the last last month mine was denver's opponent shooting luck they had the the ninth worst um opponent of location-based field goal percentage so basically they were giving up shots in bad places but opponents were missing shots and i so i saw like that that can't continue and it it still is from three they're still giving up the fourth worst opponent three-point percentage 31 percent though they're giving up better mid-range shooting so that part is regressed to the mean and the disparity is the disparity between the shots they're giving up and how much they're going in is still present but it is not as extreme so i would say it's partially right partially not all right here's one that new orleans uh, this is my prediction for this year that or uh prediction that will continue i think that with Derek favors on the floor new orleans will be play at a top half of the level defense in the league so only in his minutes yes okay because yeah, i because i'm not making a prediction over whether he's actually going to stay healthy or not. <laughs> yeah that, that that's that's fair um my my trend that will continue is uh oklahoma city has this fascinating disparity in the restricted area they were second to last in attempt frequency so far this season it might have been in the month no it was in the month i think it was the month of december um ahead of the spurs they're the only team that attempted a, a lower proportion of their shots in the restricted area however the thunder were number one in field goal percentage at the rim and i don't think it's going to be that extreme but there are a lot of reasons why they're not taking shots at the rim the primary one being that chris paul doesn't do that anymore you know he doesn't get all the way basket he's driving for mid-rangers all that kind of stuff but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see their efficiency stay high because the ones they get are often like either open in transition or nice passes from paul and shea so i think that disparity is going to continue where they're let's say bottom five in bottom five in rate and then top five in effectiveness okay mine uh golden state i think in the month of december they up until that dallas game had been i think the number eight defense i'm going to predict that they will not be in the top half of the league on defense over the next month making this prediction as of december 31st mine is the insane three-point shooting that miami the disparity that they have between their own shooting and opponents will not continue miami is shooting 39 percent from three themselves and they're giving up 33% three-point shooting. So that, that's gargantuan over the course of a season. Now, there are plenty of reasons to think that Miami's shooting will be good. I hadn't pieced this together. Duncan Robinson is shooting 46% from three on 7.1 attempts per game. Uh, He's take, yeah. It's incredible. He's taken 234 threes and 43 twos. Um, and, and they have a lot of good shooters in the rotation. Remember, Myers Leonard is still starting, Kelly Olynyk, but getting Justice Winslow back, he's he, he has times where I mean, he's been awful from shooting three so far in a small sample, but also he's a more reluctant shooter. And I, I just think that's going to tone down a little bit because it kind of has to. And then three point, sh- we, we've talked about this a lot, the three point shooting, opponent three point shooting percentage is not something that teams generally can do a lot to control. It's more frequency. And so anytime a team is giving up something really low, you expect it to regress to the mean. So they're 6% apart right now. I'm going to say for the month of January, if the disparity exists, and I do think that it will, it's going to be 3% or less. All right, well, a belated Happy New Year once again. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, we did our top 10 prospects in the NBA yesterday. If you didn't see my tweet and you want to get a question in for Eastern Conference 15 and 60 mailbag, that'll be Sunday night's pod. So respond to my tweet asking for questions there. Ben's going to put those questions together for us. And we'll talk to you on Sunday night. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 